say for network i'm biggs i'm brandon i'm carl all right i'm just gonna bury the lead here i'm gonna start off with morbius i bit the <laughs> bullet i went to morbius i knew you guys weren't gonna go to it if you were gonna go to the batman you sure as shit weren't gonna go to this one way to take one for the team so morbius is taking a story from batman and in the comics it was basically a vampire and then decided to be an anti-hero at a certain point um he would feed off of people you have these little like suction cup things on his hands and he would touch somebody and then it would suck their blood and spider-man fought him when he had six arms that was like two or three issues back in the old days when he was trying to get rid of his spider powers and then accidentally became more like a spider it works out (laughs) it's fine it's a pretty crazy character eventually in the comics i think they gave him fangs and just had him feed off of blood because he wasn't a big enough character where they didn't feel like they couldn't reinvent him, you know? And I feel like in the 90s, he had a pretty good run in comics and at some point teamed up with Blade for a while. He made Blade, didn't he? I don't know. That's what I've heard. When the Blade cameo-ish thing happened at the end of Eternals, right? With the Black Knight and all that nonsense, there were a shitload of articles about blade's true like comic origin and how it differs from the movie origin and all of them said that in the comics morbius is the one that actually turns him so they were thinking that there might be a blade cameo in morbius but nope doesn't happen no so in this movie you have jared leto is playing a guy who wants to cure himself of some weird rare blood disease where he has to get a transfusion three times a day what's his face doctor who is his friend but just abundantly a douchebag from the very beginning like they don't bury the lead on this guy like he's very unpleasant from the start there's a part where some kid was like picking on him and then somehow the tide turns to where the kid is helpless and he's just like kicking the shit out of him even when he shouldn't be and so like just right away they're like this guy's gonna be the villain they don't make a questionable his great relationship with Morbius is basically him like whining about things being generally unpleasant. Morbius, meanwhile, has a whole life. He's a genius. Oh, he, good. He goes out and figures out that if he somehow takes bat DNA, he can combine it with his own DNA and get rid of this blood disease. So he takes it and winds up immediately losing control and feeding off of like 10 people. They're all villains, just coincidentally, you know, (laughs) he pulls back before he kills his love interest. It's because he didn't use radioactive bat DNA. Yeah, this is basically the origin story of Batman. So, you know, we've already seen this on screen a lot of times. His parents are murdered. Uh, probably like, we don't, the we don't really know. He's in an orphanage. He's in an either. orphanage. Why do you keep so bringing I felt up like Batman? They didn't, I feel like they didn't have to like address that, you know, because it was already assumed because he's in an orphanage. So clearly his parents died in <laughs> Marvel's version of crime alley. He becomes a vampire. He can fly. He yeah. can hear things. He's got like a crazy nose. Like basically when he feeds on blood. He suddenly looks normal and ripped. You can tell Jared Leto was lifting weights and shit. But as he's waiting to feed, he starts to become very weak. 
And whenever he's using his bat powers, he gets like his little like fucking bat nose or whatever. It's, you know, like Batman, just like. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, when you boil down this entire movie, it's not the worst thing ever. And the reason I say that is that is all the discourse right now is that this is the worst movie that's ever come out. This is the worst superhero movie. It's not any of those things. I think a lot of people are pissed off because Michael Keaton makes a post-credit sequence that doesn't really make sense. You guys don't care if I spoil it, right? Oh, I already know what it is. Yeah. Listeners, scan ahead two minutes if you don't want to hear it. Basically, at the very end of the movie, after he kicks the shit out of Doctor Who and kills him because, you know, that's just what you do. Yeah. Michael Keaton suddenly shows up in a prison cell. Like you see the little ribbon like cloud that's in the Spider-Man movie. And he shows up in the cell and then they show a quick montage of him going to court and then being released because they have no record of him. That's like the first post credit. And then they run a couple more credits and then they do a mid credit where he shows up in a new vulture outfit and he's like, he says, uh, I came to this world. I think Spider-Man had something to do with it. I'm putting together a team. And Morbius like looks intrigued. And that's the end of it. And I think that's why fans are pissed off is because they're tying it in with the MCU. And I get they're that. Not, I get that. You know what they're doing? They're setting up pins so that they can separate their Sony-verse from the MCU. They want to do make a, them completely separate universes. They very clearly want to do a Sinister Six movie. I think that's what it is. Sony has had a hard-on for this for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. I think that's what they're building towards. You've got Venom already. You've got Morbius now. You've got the Vulture on the board there. They're making a Craven movie. I, I don't know what else they're going to do. I mean, they got a Black Cat thing, so maybe they would have her in a, in a Sinister Six. I well, don't you know. know. Uh, Spider-Man wanted that clean slate at the end of No Way Home. He could get it by just leaving the MCU and going over to the universe that knows about Spider-Man but doesn't have a Spider-Man. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest universe in the MCU. There's like, this is the the universe that Sony side of Marvel is the Rick that eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest Rick. All that to be said, it's an inoffensive movie. It's fucking <laughs> it's, 90 minutes. Like, it's not even okay. the worst Sony superhero but can movie. But I, can I poke a hole in that exact sentence that yes. you had? It's a fucking vampire movie, and it's inoffensive. Yeah. That's offensive. No, I mean, to your tastes, it's just not the worst thing that's ever happened, which is why people are talking about that. So but it what, I've, been. what I've done is I compiled the list of every Sony superhero movie that's ever been. Every Sony? Every Everything that Sony has produced. Okay. And I want you guys to guess whether I think Morbius is worse than it or not, so that okay. you can kind of see the ranking of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I thought about doing this with DCEU, but then I realized there's a bunch of Sony stuff, so I was like, this is enough. Yeah, Sony. Yeah, this is yeah. enough. It's all so, spum. First off, Spider-Man. Uh, worse than Spider-Man. It's worse than Spider-Man. Yes, it is worse than Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Worse than Spider-Man Worse than Spider-Man 2. Because yeah, that's I mean, better than Spider-Man. <laughs> and it's on my Mount Rushmore superhero movies, so yeah, it definitely can achieve it. Spider-Man 3. I'm going to say worse than Spider-Man 3 because Spider-Man 3 at least has Sandman. And Sandman's fucking badass. Like his arc and his... That's like quality superhero storytelling that you don't get from Morbius. I'm, I'm going to say worse than Spider-Man 3. Just barely, I, barely. <laughs> it's 
a lot worse than Spider-Man 3. So I have a hot take on Spider-Man 3, guys. It's not as bad as everybody thinks it is. It's not as bad as everybody thinks it is. It's really not. I rewatched it a little bit ago. It is a major drop with Spider-Man 1 and 2 compared to The Godfather Part 3. The Godfather Part 3 is not a bad movie. The problem is, is it's in a trilogy of movies that are good. And so you're just like, fuck, man, because it's a major drop off. But, like, Spider-Man 3 is still better than a lot of movies on this list. <laughs> so, real quick with Spider-Man 3, do you think it would have been served better if they had cut Venom or if yes. they had cut New yes. Goblin? Venom. Venom's worse. I think you could cut I mean, both of them, but I think... You don't want just Sandman, God. Sandman. I, they're both annoying plots, if I'm being honest. Like, really... the Sandman stuff is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Eric you, Foreman, I guess Venom, you, the or, thing like... Is, if you cut Venom, you let's, also cut let's cut the all God. of the black suit Spider Man stuff as well, and you that's cut, okay. Is, I will say, <laughs> I will say, you have to pay off the Goblin thing because it's yeah. building from the first two movies. So from that lens, Venom's clearly. On I the also, I block. honestly wouldn't mind cutting the part that leads to him fucking hitting Mary Jane. Did <laughs> that happen? I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it's when he's doing his his uh, club sequence where he's like trying to make her. Be be all cool with her in the club and then he's gonna like do he hits her by accident but he's still fucking like pow backhands her sends her flying and he's like spider-man he's got spider strength so yeah anyway bad. spider-man 3 it's not worse. as bad yeah, as yeah. this this is worse morbius is worse the punisher wait which one thomas jane okay uh worse than punisher I'm going to say worse than Punisher. It is worse than Punisher. Yeah, Punisher Thomas bad. Jane Punisher is not terrible. It's just not a good it's not a good depiction of that character, I feel like. Like, he's too friendly in The Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I actually enjoy The Punisher. So it's like, I, it's not a thing where I groan when I see that it's on. It's just like, this isn't the character that you're portraying. It's, right. It's a bad portrayal. Uh, the Punisher Warzone. Worse than Punisher Warzone. That movie kicks ass. I'm going to say worse than. Yeah, Punisher you guys Warzone. are right. Dude, that movie does kick ass. I don't even like The Punisher. It's a good framing of the punisher and it's just so balls out that like dude it's hard to hate it a guy does a flip off a building and gets shot in the air with a bazooka (laughs) and they they throw that guy in the glass breaker dude that's fucked up man he gets all he gets all cut up in his face thick they that was a good fucking movie dude a woman directed that one too like and she got shit on all over it but most people haven't even seen that movie and they assume it's bad it's my favorite punisher i like it better i like it better than the punisher tv series i did not like the tv series so yeah i'm with you on that yeah okay so, so far, we've got five Sony movies that are better than Morbius. So. I'm going to guess the next three. Ghost Rider. Oh. Uh, ooh. I don't remember. Ooh. That first one's really bad. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say for the first time, I'm going to say better than Ghost Rider. Okay. I'm going to say lower than Ghost Rider. It's better than Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is fucking awful. The first yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I have to abstain from Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance because I've been hearing that it's actually pretty fun. The it's first the one was so bad guys. I never got around to it. The yeah. crank br- the crank bros. The guys that directed Crank, Crank 2 High Voltage, Gamer, fucking dude, this guy's never miss. This guy's got a style. Yeah. So I that's off the board because I haven't seen it yet. And I actually will watch it eventually. Okay, Amazing Spider-Man. Worse. I'm going to say it's better than Amazing Spider-Man. It is better than Amazing Spider-Man. What? That movie is a cash grab. It's terrible. But Emma Stone is so adorable. Emma Stone's good. 
Like I like Andrew Garfield and and, and they in a have vacuum the best and, in a different Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone have well, they had the best chemistry out of any pairing of Peter Parker until Zendaya is just so great. And I'll be honest, man, that villain, the lizard, that is the worst portrayal of a superhero it's character. The worst looking. Yes. But I do like the actor. It's also the worst idea for a plot. I'm going to turn everybody into a lizard. Okay, here's the thing, though, is that when it comes to superhero movies, the third act is very often just stupid. But it is the stupidest third act. It's stupid. Let's let's keep in mind, this also has a sequence where, like, a construction worker has all these cranes that just happen to be lined up. That happened. All across New York. All across New York so that yeah. he could spin all the way across. Dude, New York is a character in the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that from Spider-Man A character too. that has perfectly symmetrical cranes Fuck everywhere. Yeah, dude. No, it's not. That stuff is all terrible. You're not wrong about that. But, like, I do think that the performances are all very strong. I think that I like Sally Field as Aunt May. Martin Sheen is terrible as Uncle Ben. Ah, he's fine what what's wrong with martin sheen i like martin sheen i don't like him in this movie i also don't like sally field in this movie he's better than frankly he's better than tom holland's uncle ben that (laughs) (laughs) the one we never see yeah i in my head it's jason alexander by the way (laughs) is it worse for uncle ben that he's not fridged in that movie. He's just not even he dealt with. He just doesn't with. even exist. He, may he not does. Even, he had well, a suitcase that Peter's using. Really? Yeah, there's yeah. a Ben Parker yeah. suitcase. Oh. Yeah. So he's just kind of a nobody. Yeah. Like, he just died in obscurity. No importance to his death whatsoever. Eh, maybe that's okay. Okay. I was just asking, what, what do you? what's your opinion on that? Better or worse for Ben Parker? He's um, gotten this. He's died enough and. I mean, he obviously told his wife the great responsibility. <laughs> he was like, with great power comes great responsibility. Tell Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but only when it, it's super relevant in the moment. Maybe, maybe, before maybe you when die. you're dying. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Listen to me. I know you're a knockout and you seem quite young, but just make sure you tell him if you die in front of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no one, no one's ever going to expect you to get killed off because you're so hot. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty That's bummed out ben by Parker that, I guess. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I think that they should use Marissa Tomei as the uh, as death in the Deadpool 3. I'd be down with that. Anything that gets me more Marissa Tomei. Because then she gets to, and then they do, or maybe they do a Deadpool Spider-Man team of movie and have Marissa Tomei be death. That would be fucking sick. <laughs> I'm down for that. And in the comics, death is like a hot woman body right. with yeah. a skull yeah. for yeah, a I've seen face, that. a skull head. You could do that with Marissa Tomei. Dude, death was so hot that Thanos killed half the universe for I it. mean, personally, I think the no skin or flesh or anything on the, right. on the skull, <laughs> the bare skull kind of kills it for kind me. kind of a deal breaker for you. A little bit. You can't really stare. You can't really like look into their eyes. You can only you can look, look into the eye, eye sockets, like the caverns. <laughs> of their eyes. All right, Amazing Spider-Man too. Oh, uh, it's if dev- you thought it was better than Amazing Spider-Man, then it's better than Amazing Spider-Man Two in your estimation. Yeah, it's got to be better than Amazing Spider-Man Two. You're right, but I will say I like 
part two more than part one. What? And I hate both those movies. You're crazy. The first one is just a fucking reboot. I fucking hate that so much. It's almost the principle of it makes it worse. They're both terrible. Yeah. I think it's fun that like Spider-Man is like super handsome and cool and rides a skateboard. I hate that. And shit, they're dude. like, you know what he's like, like? Look at this nerd with his cool spiked hair and his cool skateboard and his cool. Wait, what? Do we know what nerds are in this universe? You know what he is? <laughs> he's Peter Pucci in that movie. That's what he is. Dude. I so I'm okay with it. The one thing I always thought was like, so the first one has all the backstory again, right? And that's egregious. But so you're like, okay, we're gonna get Spider Man again, <laughs> and they they're already done with the backstory. But then they give you Amazing Spider-Man 2. And it's so much more of a letdown. Because they're like, oh, we have we can open up the Spider-Man universe and this is what we need. <laughs> I would say two things to that. First off, <laughs> the term letdown maybe applies to other people. But I expected that to be a piece of shit. I was upset that my family wanted to go to it. <laughs> the second thing I would say is I might have positioned that wrong when I said it was better than Amazing Spider-Man. I, let me say Amazing Spider-Man is worse. I don't think better is something I should attach to Amazing Spider-Man. Too. You know, uh, that video, that animated video that's like, that came out, I think it was before No Way Home, but it was like a, just a silly version of all the different Spider-Mans and like the ones like, I'm the Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And you, they didn't say I'm from the first franchise. You had to kind of guess, but like, it was obvious because yeah. one of them was, I'm the Spider-Man where everybody sounds like they're 35. Yeah. And so that's Tobey <laughs> Maguire, obviously. And then, but then the Andrew and Garfield one. They also one, have that joke later where yeah. he's like, did your husband get that for you? And they're all like, whoa. And he's like, I'm sorry. Those jokes really hit for my universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the Andrew Garfield one's like, I'm the Spider-Man from the universe where we got this cool Vizio phone that needs a special <laughs> charger and never holds a charge because it's a piece of crap. <laughs> it's like the product placement. Uh, we're doing this to reboot the franchise just to sell a bunch of shit. Bing. Fuck, wasn't that the one where everyone was making fun yeah, of him? Yeah, because it had a giant screen of Bing where he's looking up something with his parents. He probably even says... Google that, and then they're like, Microsoft, bing. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why don't you bing that? (laughs) It just doesn't have the same ring. Anyway, it's better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. Next. Okay. Is this next trilogy? Iron Man. They actually produce 40% of Iron Man and Paramount. No, no. We're doing it. That's a fake out. We're doing it. Iron Man was 40% Sony, 60% Paramount. Yes, it's worse than I am. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. It's better than the 40% that Sony made. (laughs) Iron Man is all good. It's all good. I really like that movie. The Incredible Hulk. Now, is this the the Edward Norton? This is the MCU one. Yeah. They also co-produced that. People forget Disney didn't get their hooks into it until Captain America. I know, but I'm telling the list. This is the Edward Norton. Yes. Okay. I think it's worse than Incredible Hulk. I I like that movie. I think it's worse than Incredible Hulk. It's definitely worse than The Incredible Hulk. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. It's worse than Spider-Man Homecoming. Worse than Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, obviously. Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, worse. Worse. Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home. Better. No, just kidding. Worse. <laughs> obviously yeah, worse. Weird. Okay. It's going to get difficult. Venom. <sighs> Why? Okay. Uh, worse than Venom. I don't know. I'm just flipping a coin here. I'm going to say it's – I'm going to say you enjoyed Morbius more than Venom. 
Enjoyed's not the word I would use. <laughs> Better than. I was so irritated when I watched Venom. <laughs> this was so much Do you like Venom less better bad than, than Morbius? Venom. So you kind of want the Venom no. movies to be better? No, I don't care one iota for either of these characters anymore. I did when I was a kid. I don't anymore. I just really, truly did not like Venom. I felt like it was crude unnecessarily. Yeah. And it felt like it was made for 13-year-olds. I have a serious... I, I talked about this with you off mic a couple of days ago, but I have, an, I have a very serious problem with their characterization of the symbiote itself. And that may be because instead of... When he's bonded with Peter Parker in the comics, it, th- whenever the symbiote bonds with somebody, it kind of takes on aspects of their personality, right? Yeah. So it bonds with Peter and kind of gets a bit of that sense of heroic heroism a little bit but also it's got its own thing but then when it bonds with eddie it's like a bully becomes a bully because eddie's a bully right and it's almost like they're like well the eddie brock that we came up with is basically pig pen from peanuts so (laughs) if we bind the symbiote with him then it'll just become like a big childish never eating machine that just wants to eat everything and just throws tantrums and is clumsy and breaks stuff because it doesn't care. Yeah. Like the, the other thing with why this... can't it make breakfast? Oh, we're talking. I'm talking about the sequel, but why can't it just make breakfast? Why does it have to like smash the <laughs> pots and pans around? Like, is it not capable of like just going pouring a? Can it not pour a glass a of water? A species that can travel across space can't make breakfast. It can. F- <laughs> it's it's an amorphous like amoeba like creature that can stretch tendrils out, and it. it I am. I can't imagine that it doesn't have more coordination than that. Like, just naturally. <laughs> they get right? the impression in the it. movie it's because he doesn't care. Which like, I he's just... also don't like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Here's the most egregious thing about Venom to me. So, in Spider-Man 3, he becomes more violent, right? Like, he becomes more of an asshole when he gets the symbiote. Yeah. Yeah. And in this movie, he becomes more aggressive, right, in Venom. Yeah. That's not a thing in the comics. That's not a thing at all. Like, Venom doesn't affect how people act. It just bonds with them. Like, Spider-Man gets rid of the suit. He actually thinks it's pretty cool. It, like, saves him on laundry. It, like, he doesn't have to change. Like, it automatically changes clothes for him. He doesn't, have to, pockets re- in he doesn't suit. have to recharge his web shooters. Yeah. Like, everything is great for him until Reed Richards reveals to him, oh, this thing's bonding to you right now. And then he freaks out. They hit it with the sonic blast and then keep it in, like, a jar thing. And then eventually it escapes and it's pissed off that it was like rejected by Peter Parker and then goes on Peter again. They blast it off of him again. And then it finds Eddie Brock as he's about to commit suicide. So Eddie was already, they almost like he was already a like a shit bag and it bonded with him. And now he's a shit bag with powers. Why Sony got the idea that every fucking Venom movie has to like change their personality somehow. I don't know where that came from, and I don't know why nobody's ever called them out on it either. Like, hardcore comic book fans don't even think to get upset about that. Yeah, because I don't know if hardcore comic book fans are actually fans of characters like Venom. Fair. (laughs) It's that particular type of fan who's like, I only read Venom, and I read some Punisher and Deadpool. (laughs) That's all they read. You know, characters like Venom that, like, look really cool in that edgelord, like, you know, young adult kind of style. 
they don't even necessarily read the comics. They just like get the poster for their wall and they get the coat, the crow leather jacket like I did. <laughs> 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 so I'm speaking with authority on this because I was there <laughs> in the <laughs> trenches being a fucking nerd. All right, let's close this out. Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. You definitely like Morbius. Better. You're closing it out? I thought Sony made the Blades. No. Oh. Well, compare it to the Blades. Worse than Blade. Worse than Blade 2. Better than Blade Trinity. Okay. <laughs> Blade 1 and 2 are definitely better by a lot. I never finished Blade 3. I can't say. It's it's. I started it and got distracted and didn't see enough where I wanted to finish it. And this is going back. It's really. Whenever it came out on two really, like, really, really, stars really, 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 was yeah, when so I saw it. Yeah, No, it's probably. <laughs> I think that might be the worst superhero movie ever made, actually. That might be it. No. Yeah? When we get to Patreon, I'll I'll tell you the worst one. Oh, you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, Howard the Duck's not on this list, but. Oh, Howard the Ducks is pretty bad, but it's fun in some ways. It's at least got a, wow, I can't believe they fucking did this. Like, what is wrong with them? Leah Thompson fucks a duck. Leah Thompson's fucking love Leah Thompson. She is hot, but she fucks a duck. I don't even care. I love her. No. Well, it's an alien. It's an alien. That's inaccurate. She flirts with the duck to make him uncomfortable, but they never seal the deal. But she's in her panties when she does it. So our kid brains immediately went to shit with that duck. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't ever watch it. But he's also not a duck. His name is Howard the Duck. He's an alien. Yes. That looks like a duck. Yeah. He just looks like a duck. There is duck boobs in that movie. If it walks like a duck and it looks like a duck. Does it have a corkscrew penis like a duck? But it talks like a person and it drinks (laughs) a lot. It's Howard the Duck. (laughs) Right? Fair. I, although Howard the Duck, the evil aliens were pretty awesome in that. Yeah, see? Good movie. Oh, you mean the child molester who is playing an evil alien? Louis it was C- Jeffrey, or <sighs> that guy who's in Beetlejuice oh, and Ferris Bueller's oh, Jim Day Jim Jordan? No. What's that? Jim, name? Jeff, Jim, Jim Jeffries? No, Jim Jeffrey? no. I thought it was no, Jim. That's a comedian. No. I don't fucking remember the guy's Jim name anymore. J- John. Jaden John Stan, Stan, <laughs> John Stanovich, yeah, Brigtonville, Ten- motherfucker from Deadwood, that guy. <laughs> anyway, Venom Two. What do you guys think? Uh, well, probably better well, than that. It's definitely better than. It's a hundred percent better than that. I, don't I will say Venom Two is better than Venom, but it's still fucking awful. And it once again has a fucking teenage Cletus Cassie. Uh, Cletus Cassius or whatever the fuck his name is talking with Woody Harrelson's voice for no good reason like they just dub Woody Harrelson over his voice that is the most confounding decision I've ever seen in a superhero movie other than let's make Howard the Duck I, that one's pretty confounding <laughs> Jeffrey too. Jones yeah Jeffrey Jones that's his name I had to look him up alright what do you guys want to review next uh, something good Guardians, Guardians of, of Justice, Justice will save you, in parentheses, exclamation point. Is that in the title? Apparently. It feels like an eternity uh, since I watched this. <laughs> it's in the title on the... In the Netflix description? Yeah, but not on the title screen. Okay, describe yeah. to us your take on this, because you had a very simple take about why we should cover this. You said that it's on Netflix and nobody is talking about it. Nobody's trashing it and nobody's praising it. Just nobody is fucking talking about it. Yeah, it kind of doesn't exist. It's weird, Guardians of... And it's got like 
one guy that I feel like is semi well known in America, at least. <laughs> Two people our and age I, who watched wrestling, and I and I like <laughs> watched it for like four episodes before I realized that like. Dallas Page is Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you take the diamond off of that name and he just becomes a nobody, doesn't he? <laughs> like, who well, the fuck is Dallas Page? the lead of this movie. I'll say that. <laughs> who the fuck is Dallas Page? I don't know. Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah, that wrestler. <laughs> who knew that that was his real name and he just added Diamond and made that his wrestler name? I didn't know that. Okay, so we all watch this. Go ahead and give your take, Brandon. So. Uh, after Carl was talking about it and I started watching the first couple episodes. So I described it on, on chat as the Justice League done by Troma Team Films. Those are the guys that do Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of Nukem, class of Nukem High and whatnot. Just really. So this. That's insanely accurate, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, There's as some far as like. But, the, yeah. the biggest difference is that they. There's a lot more video game influence yeah, in the show than it's kind of amazing the their way of like so if the trauma team were to keep the budget low the trauma team keeps the budget low by just doing really shitty action with really low budget effects and low budget everything just, and just like and just like saying it's good enough it doesn't have to look great these guys hide all their action sequences or or like cloak them with animation they don't just use one style of animation. They constantly switch it up between like actual drawn animation and, and like computer animation, video game animation. And then sometimes it looks like a fighting game and sometimes it looks like Contra and sometimes it looks like a first person shooter. And sometimes it looks like like it just keeps changing. And over and over again, it keeps changing like. Rapid fire. You lose track as you're watching the series. I mean, I did at least. You lose track of when an episode ends and the next one <laughs> begins because it just kind of all starts to blur together as it's just like <laughs> and constant. There is this. And it's real high energy. There's this overarching plot that's ridiculous, but they're constantly going on these like side missions for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, and it's all scored by the exact same song. It's just like this. Well, certain section, certain types of of sequences are scored by the same type of music because that's the whole thing. It's like, okay, we're going into a battle sequence now, battle music. It's like a video game in that regard where like, for example, Final Fantasy, when you're on the main world map, you got a song that plays. When you go into a battle, you have your battle music. When you go to a boss battle, it's the battle music, but it's like next level of battle music because it adds extra little... So I have FL Studio, which is this program that you can cut beats on. Yeah. And it divides it all up by bars. You can pick your beats per minute, you know. Uh, what I imagine they programmed this with was FL Studios, and they just use, like, maybe eight different sounds. And you can expand it up to 64 bars, and then you can do stuff to try and, like, bring things in and out. If you record the loop, then you can do different things to the loop. It sounded to me like they were like, okay... 16 bars and by bar it's not even bars notes 16 notes 
repeat. Like, we're not going to throw any, like, change-ups in there. It's just 16 notes over and over again to, like, this percussive track. You're not disparaging MIDI, are you? Because, like, old-school Nintendo music is surprisingly sophisticated. Yeah, but this and is that not sophisticated in the way that 8-bit MIDI, like, Nintendo games were. This is just... Somebody had 25 minutes to make the soundtrack of this movie. And $30. <laughs> That's what they did. Yeah. They had enough money to buy FL Studio and they called it good. They didn't have time <laughs> no to go one through is, YouTube Okay, no tutorials. one is using this software from when you were in high school. No, this is still <laughs> this is still something that people make beats with. I can't afford the plugins. The plugins are when it gets expensive as shit. This was a show done on a fairly low budget, I think. I am willing to you think? Well, you think? No, it's willing, very odd. I'm willing, and that's what I'm saying. I'm it's willing to give them. It's all one green screen. They're, they're like, yeah. the camera never pulls out beyond, like, basically the farthest it ever goes is to show the entire body of somebody. The camera never goes back further because they clearly only have so much green screen space. That is the budget we're talking about where they were like, we're literally recording this in one room. I would bet anything that they recorded everything in one room. That makes this so much better in my estimation. I, who's even criticizing it's it? It's just an, <laughs> obs- that, it's an no, no, observation, I know, But dude. I'm saying like that makes it so much more of an accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> like it it definitely is not like high art no by any stretch of the imagination but i do think it's quite the feat like i i think that it's a success i put it the people that made this should consider it a win yeah. i get a mark so, in the win so column. when i am wa- was watching this i'd have it on and my wife would groan when like I'd put it on, but she would watch the entire thing. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't look. It's like an ambulance crash. You can't look away. And honestly. <laughs> and you kind of feel bad afterwards for watching it. Some but. of my favorite <laughs> programs to watch, I groan all the way through. Like I just recently rewatched House, like did a rewatch of House and I did not. The way that I rewatched it was I would put it on and just let it play. And if I needed to run to the store, I would not pause it. And if I fell asleep and it played four episodes while I was unconscious, I did not go back. I did not go back, even though I missed some of my favorite episodes because of that. But like one of the things is like, and I was telling Alex about this. uh, It's basically it's what does the TV show House have in common with the DC movie films? And it is that they interrupt exposition with excitement. Like in the DC movies, specifically Aquaman. Aquaman is the one where they just cannot stop doing this throughout it. They'll be like, blah, 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 war, need trident. And then right there, and then we're going to tell you how to, kaboom, big explosion as the submarines attacking everybody. And uh, they just interrupted the big plot dump that was going on for the last six minutes. (laughs) With House, instead of an explosion... It's like the patient's coding. Everyone's beeper goes off at the same time because the patient's oh, bleeding out of his eyeballs or like, oh, his fucking <laughs> spleen is in his lungs. Oh, my God. Like, it's like a medical explosion that interrupts them. And and it's so funny because it's so it's it's literally every episode. It's every episode. And like the way that Alex can hear a disney channel tv show and regardless of what the show is he can like tell you where you are in the plot of the episode because he's like okay that's that's the laugh that is right before the big laugh but right after the little laugh 
And like, like it's so the the formula is set in stone, and yeah. they never stray from it ever. Like, do not binge watch this show. That that is the warning I'll give because I watched the first two and I got interrupted. Uh, not going to get into that story, but and the first two were very enjoyable. And then I watched the last five. Was there seven of these? <laughs> Who knows? I, I think, think there, there were seven. I think there were uh, seven. I watched the last five, and it was. Halfway into the third one, I was just like, oh, my God. And then it just kept going and going and going. And the soundtrack never changed. Like, the plot is <laughs> imperceptible, what's going on. Like, you told me all of this plot oh, I've, point, which is great. I was able to basically losing, follow it. I was losing where I was at constantly because my mind would keep drifting <laughs> because, like, everything is so the same. Well, so the, the, the main thing is, like, the main plot is figuring out if the Superman analog actually shot himself in the but head or it's not. like you said, they go on so many side things. And, that, and like, I guess it's, it's not so to... much now that I'm thinking about it. It's not so much that they go on side things. It's that every episode is a dead end. Yeah. Like yeah. every episode is like, nope, because it wasn't he did kill himself. Blah, blah. Yeah. Because he did, and then spoilers, because it doesn't fucking matter. Like, Superman killed himself because he's gay. And in this world, they fucking hate gay people. Like, they really hate gay people in this world. Like, they're basically have made gay people criminals, right? And uh, Batman is also gay, but he's had his memory erased. But he keeps using Cerebro. <laughs> and every time he uses Cerebro, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> So it's Cerebro. <laughs> you sound like you're describing a fever dream, which is exactly how this show feels. And, oh, it's like my you don't know where part, you're at. You don't know what's happening. See, and I did you not. You feel I sweat coming out of your forehead I, while you're I watching. Have never, I haven't watched more than an episode at a time. Oh, dude, no. What's great about this, though, is literally it's like they – this is what they did. They fucking, they took the Justice League, right? And they tied it all up into a bunch of knots and dipped it in a bunch of different ink, like tie-dye. And then they dipped it in a bunch of acid. And then they tied it around their forehead and played a guitar solo. <laughs> like, that's what this show is. Like, and they, that's funny they because what do I some thought truly you were going... inspired changes to the DC canon. Like, they've got their classic, like, Batman with his two Robins, his grown-up Robin and his still young Robin. And his grown-up Robin has become... Rambo. Rambo for the, govern <laughs> for the government. Yeah. And he's just, like, got a murder boner all the time. And then the young Robin, and this was my favorite, like, twisty twist, was that their young Robin is also Shazam, who they call Awesome Man, which is just hilarious, because, of course, the kid... That is, and I didn't even realize that that was Shazam until the end. But I probably should have because I was like, "Who is that?" The analog for has to be Shazam, right? Yeah, he kind of is an analog for Martian Manhunter, just because they often John Johns has no hair, and yeah. they he's a couple of things. He's yeah. an amalgamation yeah. of a couple. of But things. a lot of these characters were like inspired by multiple characters in Marvel Dude, and DC. The Batman character. Nightwing? Nighthawk. Nighthawk. Okay. Nighthawk. For somebody who's a wrestler who is very athletic for how he got <laughs> well, famous, also... he does a lot of sitting in this movie, dude. <laughs> hey, just sorry, so you know. Sorry, right? show. He just does so a lot know, of sitting in this show. Wrestlers do not ever age well. No, you're right. You're right. But <laughs> it is the only, hard on the it only is hilarious way you age or well tragic. as a wrestler is to never leave wrestling. Just stay in it and stay on the juice. 
juice until your fucking heart explodes yeah, or whatever. It's hilarious or tragic how much he sits in this show <laughs> because almost every scene, people go to confront him and it's like confronting your grandpa who's in an armchair, dude. Like he doesn't even move and then just spits fire back at him. Not literally, just like says shit to him. Hey, more realistic than Batman. <laughs> He's basically doing the Oracle job. He's Batman, but he's an amalgamation with oh, and the Oracle also, because he can't apparently walk. Awesome <laughs> Man is in a, at one point is like in a relationship with the Flash, Speed. the Speed Girl, which is the Flash, but it's a girl. So I'm not going to lie, I kind of liked her. Then you find, like but she was I, in a relationship with a child. No, it's not not the character. I like the actress. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. No, <laughs> I literally, no, no, no. I literally not, looked her up on IMDb because <laughs> I was like, she's kind of cute. I you're not. She's in other things. Saying you're defending child. <laughs> saying that that like that was part of the revelation and then he just fucking kills her too like that and the and also spoiler alert the bad guys win because uh he's recruiting an army he's basically brainwash him so that he can fight a galactus style threat so superman also his he fled his planet because it was eaten by galact a galactus so like i do like that as like take it, what if super if Superman was in the MCU, it would make a lot of sense to have Galactus have eaten his homeworld. Yeah, it yeah. kind of does. Like that would have worked really good. It's a shame that Galactus is in Marvel and Superman is in DC because <laughs> Galactus couldn't have eaten Krypton. Yeah, it felt it falls this apart a little bit that. as an analog, but so yeah, it's just like it's a blender. It's a DC Justice League in a blender, and uh, if you like kind of crazy special effects, like ima- not good but imaginative visual effects, it's it's a ima- it's cr- it's creative and it, it's I think it's clever. Anytime somebody does this, come up with a clever way of overcoming uh, budget shortfalls or just any kind of obstacle, we love to see it in Evil Dead. You know, the Deadite cam. Yeah. It's but, like, this is the same kind of... And okay, this is the so, so, so <laughs> the thing that I really enjoy, because, I mean, there is a lot of stuff they use, but they don't hit you with the same thing over and over. They do mix it up in a lot of different ways. Like so it's almost, not almost to the other bad yeah. extreme where it's like ADD a little bit. And you're like, these guys can't focus on a goddamn <laughs> nope. thing. Uh, here's, also, here's the Lex Luthor analog, by the way, that Lex Luthor analog in the show is the creator of the show. He was the guy that created, <laughs> that's like wrote it and directed it and is like the mastermind behind that show. Here's where I fall on it. My major criticism is the episode count is too high for like what? No! Yeah, yeah. For what they have, give me fifty more. If it was like four, <laughs> I could have hung Six with it. Six seasons and a movie. It way outstayed its welcome. Uh, my second criticism: you is could have stopped them at it whenever you wanted. If they spent a penny more than five grand, they wasted their money. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm including paying. I'm going to sit here the entire series run Diamond Dallas page. Dude, he did Five that. grand total budget. He did that for free. It's like his nephew. I hope so. I mean, I hope so, dude, because if they were like, it makes, it makes sense if they were like, dude, we want you in this movie. He's like, I can't even move anymore. And they were like, well, we'll put up a green screen around your easy chair. Well, then like primo, Your dude. criticism's feel mean-spirited. They me. are mean-spirited. <laughs> I don't appreciate it. They feel that way because they're intended that way. <laughs> don't be mean to my my little buddy. It's He's like the, dude, it's like the weird dog that just like chews 
chews on a rock or something. It doesn't. It doesn't know any better. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It, it's not. It, it, it's just too long for me. It, it's just too much. But I don't really play very many video games so i didn't really like the aesthetic that it chose either but i get why you guys liked it like i enjoyed the first two it's just if it had stopped at two i would have been like that's fucked up that's great it might be why kung fury is so great to me because it's no, like this is it's like 25 wild minutes and then it's out and we don't yes. get no, I'll give you six that. straight more of them you know i would have yeah. watched I would have watched so much more Kung Fury. Though. That's what I thought too. I now it's still making would. me question it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking forward to Kung Fury too. When it, whenever it happens. Well, isn't isn't a Jorma or is it Akiva? Uh, I think it's the place Hitler. Oh, maybe it is Akiva. Kung Fury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so good. In it. It's the guy from the Lonely Island who's yeah. not Andy Samberg, who oh. also directed Kung Fury. Okay, or we... co or, or uh, he helped. He didn't. He didn't direct the original one. That was David Samberg. So we got one more movie to review here. This is The Bubble, which is Judd Apatow's new joint. It was really funny about it was like I watched it and I was like, I kind of enjoyed it. But man, it was too long. And then I looked at IMDb and it said directed by Judd Apatow. And I was like, oh, there it is. Dude. That, that it's not sense. just a thing that people say. It's a thing because it's true. Judd Apatow producing it, usually a good length. Judd Apatow directing it, too long. Always too long, man. He just overstays his welcome. Yeah. And uh, this movie had a really great 90 minutes in it. Unfortunately, yeah. it was like two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Yeah. So basically, this is a bunch of celebrities who go into quarantine to try and make a movie, which is the 23rd best best-selling franchise in Hollywood, Cliff Beasts. And <laughs> yeah, they're making Cliff Beasts. Six. Six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a really great cast. I mean, Karen Gillum is in it. Uh, you've got Pedro Pascal. You've got um, David Duchovny. Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key, yeah. Who else am I missing? I think Steve Coogan was in it, right? What's her name uh, um, from, uh, from This Is 40? Yeah, Leslie Mann. Leslie yeah. Mann. Jed Apatow's wife. Also, yeah. his daughters are in it as well. They're actually fairly high up on the... Yeah, on one of the, the, one of his daughters is like an influencer is a pretty big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good at lancing all the stories you heard coming out of the bubble. Uh, it was good at making fun of the actors, but it definitely veered into Tropic Thunder territory quite a bit. Like you said that, Brandon, and then when I watched it, I could not unsee it. Yeah, because, it's like, definitely there. Like, Yeah, I thought Tropic Thunder handled it better. With, with or without the blackface. I mean... <laughs> It doesn't have blackface, but it's it kind of does. So that the main character, the girl, the redhead, Karen Gillan, yeah, yeah. Um, so she, her previous Amy movie, Pond. she plays a half Israeli, half Palestinian. Yes, and, and is neither of those. Yes, and that's no, she's a Irish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's very clearly neither of them. And like a soccer player uses it to hook up with her. She's Amy Pond. There was there was some very funny parts in it, like when she's talking to her boyfriend who doesn't want to leave and is like nervous about her leaving for the bubble. And then he winds up basically sleeping with somebody and she's doing Zoom calls and he's with her and he's like house sitting now, but he just won't leave. And it's like, what do you do? You're stuck in a quarantine bubble. Like there was things like that that I really enjoyed. 
I thought it was fun when the security guard wound up taking over the whole operation and putting lasers out to catch people. And then when Leslie Mann flips out and goes to leave, he <laughs> shoots her hand off. And it explodes. <laughs> Dude, I was like, what? <laughs> I like how they... They're like part of uh, Keegan-Michael Key's character is he gets to learn how to fly a helicopter. But he only learns how to like raise the helicopter up and then land. So they look at a YouTube <laughs> tutorial to figure out how to fly a helicopter, which I was I was laughing because I was like, that actually might be on YouTube. <laughs> that might be there. He really can't make a movie shorter than two hours. That's the shortest thing he ever made. Judd Apatow? Yeah, yeah, two hours. Is that like the 40-year-old virgin? Uh, Yep. Yeah. That's the one that feels... That's one that... Hour 56. When I, it's when the I only movie it, that's under two hours, and it's under two hours by four minutes. That one doesn't feel too long to me. I will give that one credit. It's a little long, but it doesn't overstay its welcome. All his other ones overstay their welcome a bit. But you know... Uh, he has this tendency to come up with another plot. You know, Anchorman, Anchorman, Legend of Ron Burgundy, Burgundy, where he plays a news station employee, comes in at a tight 94 minutes. That's what I'm talking about. He produced that. He didn't direct it. Yep. (laughs) His productions are fine. It's when he directs it. that. And I know he produces his own movies, but what I mean is, like, if he's just wearing the producer hat, it's fine. He's good at, like, trimming those. Terrible at trimming his own work. I don't know. What stood out to you with this movie? Oh, well, cards an hour and a half. <laughs> um, Didn't direct it. No, no. I was just wondering if it was because I was like, if it's longer, it doesn't matter because that movie's fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah, but it's not better when it's longer because if you've seen the uncut version, it way overstays. Yeah, but its that's welcome. uncut because they just. That's not like there was extra story we wanted to tell. That's we wanted. We had more jokes to tell. That's not the same thing. Yeah, they hadn't put that's, it down to their fa- like. It's truly way too. It's long. not the same thing. And the, they overstay all all the jokes that they repeat multiple times yep. are like done twice over in yep. that version. And it's like it's way too much. Like it's way edited too much. perfectly. Yeah, the they way picked that all the is. good jokes and cut the bad ones, and yes. then the, this extended. So that's cut what I'm saying. Like, bad jokes. In. That's what I'm saying is like, and it's bigger version. It's way too long. So the bubble, the what I really liked about it was making fun of Hollywood shoots is something I I need more of in my life. Like I, that's the thing I really liked about Tropic Thunder is was it re, like all like the over the top like requests and stuff that they you know have and just like I don't know it, it I really like when they you know kind of show that side but making fun of it at the same time like how absurd a lot of that is there's a fun 10 minute segment where somebody finds out that they have covid or like they i think they have influenza somebody has influenza and then all the casts are like freaking out because they've been there for so long and they're like let's just push through it'll be fine let's push through and they insist on pushing through and fred armison is playing the director in this and so he's finally like okay and so they go to film it and then somebody so they do this constant thing where they're They'll toggle in between like being in a green screen and then like what the finished product would look like. And you see that they're like climbing up these cliffs and then one of the ladies just like suddenly like starts vomiting and then she just like passes out and she's hanging on the wire. And they don't lower. She's just hanging on the wire spinning in midair because they haven't like cut it from green screen. (laughs) 
And then, like, somebody else gets sick and, like, throws up all over her while she's, like, spinning. (laughs) And it's kind of – the way that they do it is funny, but they use that to talk about how they're being mistreated. But it's like they were the ones that insisted on keep filming (laughs) so that they didn't have to, like – go back into quarantine again. Okay, I'm glad I didn't watch this movie, though. Now, oh, though, it's like one five-minute segment. Dude. I know, but I don't like watching th- people throw up and stuff. It, it triggers something. It might like go it. a little too... That, you know, people, that scene goes a little too long for me. I, uh, it does go a little too long. It is very Apatow. People think that <laughs> yeah. that one scene in Bridesmaids is like the funniest thing ever. And it is very it's, funny. It's funny. I but, but that's I diarrhea. don't want to watch it's different. it. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I, don't. I just don't. I'm not gonna do. I it. mean, when when Wendy is fucking shitting in the sink, dude. <laughs> I mean, at least you're not seeing anything. You're just hearing their rea- their faces and their reactions as they're all suffering. I mean, what it what? I don't know. I was. What it was is pretty the gross point of any of the, the bubble when she's I don't like spinning around and she's got somebody else's vomit all over. Her. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, they didn't hang on the vomit very much. It was like a quick scene of the vomit going down. Like oh. they don't really show it very much, but it's, it's like it's don't her like it. spin. That's fine. It's her <laughs> spinning around for a long time. That's what's really funny about that is like you still see the CGI of this like elaborate cliff. And she's just spinning in midair. That was what was so fucking funny. But yeah, like Apatow, he just hangs on it too much. Um, all in all, I would say it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's not one of his better movies. Um, I don't know. Your, your mileage would vary as to where you would rank it. Like, the Adam Sandler pretty... one, I would put it the dead bottom. And this one's like a notch above that, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that Adam Sandler one was with. Hulk. I don't remember what it was called anymore. It's about comedians. It had Seth Rogen in it, right? Funny People? Yeah, Funny yeah. People. Funny People is the worst Apatow movie to me. I would agree. Yeah. And so I, it's better than that, but I think everything else is better. Than, <laughs> and I think I've seen all his movies, so at least all of his directed ones. All so right. I have one last thing, and I was going to say it last week, but I just uh, wanted to give a shout out to Taylor Hawkins, who passed away a couple weeks ago. Man, right out of nowhere. Yeah. And that one hit me hard. I mean, we we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Studio 666 on the show. Yeah. He was a great drummer. I have, like, hotly debated people constantly that he was drumming on their studio albums and people never fucking believe me. <laughs> and now he died and everybody's like, oh, I feel so bad that Taylor Hawkins died. It's like, motherfucker, you were discrediting him his entire <laughs> career. I just... I saw pictures of Dave Grohl with Kurt Cobain and pictures of Dave Grohl with Taylor Hawkins. And it was like, is he trying to fill some little Kurt Cobain shaped hole in his life with like kind of a Kurt Cobain lookalike a little bit? He really, really admired that guy. And long before he died, he, I, heard, gonna, I heard Dave, Dave Grohl's going to start a third band a and he's going to hire another guy to be like, okay, he's be my friend to, <laughs> to be the bassist. Because he's had he's had a uh, what's going to happen to Cobain. Pat? He's had a Kurt Cobain as a guitarist, and he's had a Kurt Cobain as a drummer. Now he needs a Kurt Cobain as a bassist. Okay, let's see where you're going with that. And those will be the three bands that Dave Grohl was in that matter. Although Tenacious I, D doesn't matter. No, and neither does them Crooked Vultures. Even though I like them both, I'm just saying as far as like what will become the definitive arc of Dave Grohl's career. 
Yeah, I can't see Tenacious D being a part that's of that. That's not it. Even though a, I love Tenacious D. At the very at the in, as far as Dave Grohl's career is concerned, that's a footnote. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. Although, if I'm being honest, I actually loved their first album more than anything else Dave Grohl's attached to. No. But, like, I also recognize I'm not your usual cat. I think either. one of the best things he did, he's actually done in ever, was that Them Crooked Vultures album, where it's him, Dave Grohl on drums again, which I kind of like. Because that's always, that's where I like him the best. He's a great drummer. Yeah. And, uh... Then Joshua Hum from Queens of the Stone Age is on guitar and then on bass and additional instruments, including composing a bunch of string shit, orchestral shit, is uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the bassist from fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> it's like Queens of the Stone Age, Nirvana slash Foo Fighters and fucking Led Zeppelin in one band. Which guy is it, Brandon? Who plays bass? Like, is it John Paul Jones? Yes, yeah. that's his name, John Paul Jones. That guy is the shit, dude. He's easily my favorite part of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh, I saw Taylor Hawkins live once. I just kind of forgot till just now. What was he doing? Playing for Alanis Morissette? No, he was drumming for the Foo Fighters. They were opening oh. for the Chili Peppers when they were on their California. Dude, that tour. would have been a fucking and awesome show to go to because I could have left was, early dude, before it, Red Hot Chili <laughs> Peppers came on, and I get to see the whole crowd. I get to see Foo Fighters, and I get home early. <laughs> <laughs> Not and I don't to have to see Red Hot Chili I, Peppers. I will say. I love the Californication <laughs> album. They are that is fucking terrible live. Album. They are the worst live. I don't want to debate this right oh, now, but I didn't bad. know who the Foo Fighters were. I didn't pay attention to them. <laughs> like I knew Dave Grohl being the drummer at Nirvana. That was as far as I knew. I knew out of side band. I, I didn't know who they were. And then they were supporting what fucking album was it? It's the one that has Breakout and it's got Learning to Fly on it. Oh, that's uh I don't know the name of any of the Foo Fighter albums. Fucking <laughs> it's uh, got Big Me on it. Stack Dead Actors. Anyway, they were supporting that album and I watched it and they were so fucking good. I was like, first off, wow, the drummer's good. Dave Grohl's playing front man. I could see how he's comfortable doing that because the drummer's really good. You yeah. know, the biggest thing that hit me is what I meant to say in an awkward way is that like Dave Grohl was so fucking charismatic. Like he he looked up at us because we we're in at the Gorge in George Washington. It's this big natural amphitheater. We're at the second section. There's like kind of a gate separating us from the front part. And he goes, hey, you guys up there, I'll be over there soon enough. It's like, okay. And then half the show goes, and then he goes into the crowd. He's got like a wireless guitar, and he kind of disappears for a minute. And then we were right by the sound shack where they like have the, the big mixing board. And then all of a sudden we see him climbing up the side of it and then somebody hands him up a guitar and then he did a guitar solo like 15 feet from us. It was so fucking cool. That's awesome. And then he was also like making fun of some people in the crowd, like uh, in a way that would get Chris Rock canceled now. That was really fun. It was a great show. So, Or at I, least slapped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at least smacked by somebody for sure. I was a little skeptical about watching this week's Saturday Night Live because I knew they were going to talk about Will Smith a bunch. But the host was a guy, Jared Carmichael. He was really funny. A young black comic who did a special comedy special came out literally days before his his hosting. And he came out in that special. So he like came out gay two days or three days before he was on Saturday Night Live. And he had some fun with that. And uh, he had like he had a good moment in his opening monologue where he's like, well, I got this fucking platform. 
Barack, meet me over here on camera too. <laughs> he starts talking directly to Barack Obama. And I was like, that's fun. It's like, you're in front of, you're on SNL. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm going to talk to the guy I need to talk to. <laughs> I like that. Um, the sketches they did about it were surprisingly good considering everything's been done already. Like every joke that could possibly be made about Will Smith was made already, but they still managed to keep it from being re- too recycled. Like there were some jokes they used that were recycled, but the the main the main thing was that they had Chris Red doing a Will Smith impression, and Chris Red is like one of the best members of Saturday Night Live right now. Yeah, Dude, that guy spits fire all day long, and he also did a song with Pete Davidson that ties into what we were talking about earlier. Cause it's all about short ass movies. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't, I would, if you don't regularly watch Saturday night live, I'd say this week was actually a fairly good example of what, of a good, like what it is when it's in, in good form. Cause you know, it's hit and miss. SNL has always been hit and miss. I feel like <clears throat> usually with Saturday night live, if something happens where they have a whole week to come up with something, they're usually pretty good when they come up with it. It's when it's like a day or two removed. When it's the Friday before. That's when they're yeah. like, hey, remember this thing happened yesterday? <laughs> well, like, you know what I mean? If the Oscars had been on Friday night, it would have been fucking terrible because they would have just been like pointing to it again. But because they had a full six days to like write, <laughs> well, like, I think they, they figured it out. They This particular season as well, they hired this guy, James Austin Johnson. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's this guy that kind of gained notoriety just by doing this really, really, really good Trump impression on Twitter. Like he would put videos. He'd just like walk down the street and do – stream of consciousness stuff in the Trump voice, which is kind of just this genius thing because he would do this thing where he's like talking about Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. And never, he always solves the crime. He's a dog. You know, like he's this not is, talking about anything political. This is the political. worst Trump impression I've ever heard. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing an impression of an impression. I'm not trying to do a good one, but it doesn't matter. The point is that He's talking about things that have nothing to do with politics, right? Well, this week, they actually did this bit that was kind of amazing because it was one of those bits where it's Fox and Friends and then they get a call from Trump and Trump's just like in bed and you can see like rappers from fast food just like on the bed around <laughs> him. Like he just sits in bed all day eating junk food. And he's- With the camera crew apparently. And they ask him, they're like, uh, well, no, he's got his, he's doing this. He's, oh, he's, his, he's on his okay. phone. Yeah. His burner phone. It doesn't know what a burner phone is, but it, he's using it when he, he used it during those seven missing seven hours. And he's like, it, in this bit, he's like, denying things but then his stream of consciousness kind of turns him spins him <laughs> all the way around and he literally says like and then I, we talked about doing a coup <laughs> like and he just and they're like wait what <laughs> and just like it's just so like because i i feel like he does do that in real life a little bit sometimes like oh yeah he says things he just that was he, crazy he we said that at the same time jinx you owe me a coke <laughs> yeah. damn so so again, like that's an aspect of the current season, but he has this tendency to do like Trump one episode and then the next episode he'll do Biden and then he does Trump and then he does Biden and then he does Trump because they're trying to do this like 
See, we make fun of both sides. Hold on. So they're not going with that dead-on Jim Carrey impression anymore? <laughs> no. And honestly, James Austin Johnson also does the Biden. And his Biden impression is fucking great. Like, that guy's just good. But the best sketch of the whole night is this one that <laughs> it's like a family is saying goodbye to the father who's died. Or, and they're at the spot where they're going to scatter the remains. And they're like, we're, and they've got the people from the mortuary. And they're like, okay, bow your heads and we'll scatter the remains. And then they pick up a body under a sheet and just throw the body off the because <laughs> they didn't cremate it. They're like, no, see, see, it's win-win because you guys, you get to say goodbye to your pop-pop and we still get to throw body off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and just like the family just being like, what the hell did you guys just do? And like the mortuary people just being like, what? What's the big deal? <laughs> it's like, Tuesday. It, the, that skit works. It's like a, SNL and it's like absurd at best at their most absurd just the weirdest it worked it was pretty fucking good dude <laughs> all right well i'm calling this so okay take it easy please rate and review our show sign up for an anchor account and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions reach out to us through instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs email us at not network at gmail.com not Safer Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. A podcast about the narrative and effective politics of war movies and their productions, too. Charles Horgan and Aaron Donaldson bring you a brand new podcast, The Real War Project. Dip in and out of subjects with Lauren and Sarah's irreverent points of view with the hilarious podcast, Dippers. Catch up with the week's pop culture news as well as reviews of new movies and shows, not to mention the occasional interview with Carl, Brandon, and Biggs on Not Safe for Network. Wrestlers wrestle, but sometimes they make movies too. This podcast lets you know how they do. Listen to Eric and Connor in all three seasons of Movies with Wrestlers. One by one, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies and some wretched ones too in the podcast you can't miss, A Cosmic Void.